because mind habitually seeks for the truth or for God or for happiness out there. So I'm seeking freedom, happiness, immortality out there someplace. And as long as the mind is directed outward so long, there is a denial of one's own self. As long as the tenth man is searching for the tenth man, there is a denial of the tenth man. You could not be searching for the tenth man unless you deny yourself who is the tenth man. And so, so I could not be searching for happiness or freedom or immortality or whatever it is that I am seeking, I cannot be searching for it unless I first deny myself. And therefore, in every, pro in every objectification, in every search, for becoming free, for becoming immortal. Every search of even searching for God or the truth. However great a scientist is, as long as he's searching for the truth out there someplace, there is a denial of his own self. And so this is also the process of searching truth. But Vedanta prescribes this process. The truth is to search not outside yourself, the one who is searching for himself is the truth, just as one who is searching for the tenth man, himself is the tenth man. How to convey this? That you are that. But if you say you are that, then again for you meaning I, I already have some notions. Suppose I am told I am Brahman. Then I say, <coughs> I am Brahman, I am something, you know. Mm -hmm. And so people get away with this kind of notions that I am God. So what is the meaning of I? Yes, I am God all that. But what is that I? I is that which is devoid of every qualification, every quality, every genus. The I is unqualified, nirupadika, so it is without any qualities, without any attributes. That's the true nature of I, and that I is Brahman. And this is what is meant to be communicated. The idea is that even were I also is not adequate. But every word stands in opposition to some other word. When I say I, it is not you. When I say part, it is not cloth. When I say good, it is not bad. If God is good, then what is bad? If God is beautiful, then what is ugly? If God is great, then what is little? So every word would exclude something. Every word, in fact, would circumscribe that object described and would exclude everything else. But this is all inclusive. The truth cannot exclude anything. It cannot be opposed to anything. It must be all inclusive. And therefore, no word is adequate to describe it. And therefore, the whole idea of description or limitation is thought to be negated in the process neti neti, not this, not this. Asthulam, ananu, akhraswam, adirgam. Every Upanishad does it in one way or the other. It is not gross, it is not subtle, it is not long, it is not short, it is not red, it is not yellow, it is not wet, it is not, you know, you, you say that. <coughs> and so, this is the, and this process will continue. But Lord Krishna introduces the Brahman or truth or the self in this verse, knowing which one gains immortality. So knowing the self in this manner, or knowing God in this manner, one gains immortality. Meaning knowing God as one's own self. As Ramana Maharshi says, Ishadarshanam Svatma Ishadarshanam, the darshanam, the knowledge of God as one's own self. And this is the highest truth, the revealed by the Upanishad. And this is what Lord Krishna here is, is uh, unfolding in these verses before Arjuna. So when it was said, it is neither Sat nor Asat, the words Sat and Asat have different meanings. Sat means that which is and Asat means that which is not. Asat also sometimes means the effect and Asat means cause. Sometimes Sat means gross, Asat means subtle. So it is neither gross nor subtle, it is neither cause nor effect. So when you say it is not this, not this, not this, and one would think that it is not, how do you say it is there to begin with? Are you describing, are you talking about something that is non-existent? Because this thing can be said about the horn of a hair. Imagine, a, you know, a horn of a, 
or this rabbit. Hare means a female rabbit, horn of a hare they say. So meaning that if you want to describe or if you want to say something that is non-existent, then also you know the same language, not this and not this. So when the Upanishad or Vedanta uses the language of negating every attribute while, while unfolding Brahman, then the same kind of description it looks would apply also to something that is not there. Looks like it is Shunya. Are you saying that there is Brahman is non-existent? Are you saying that the truth is Shunyam or totally void? Is it what is meant here? Says, no, no, it is not Shunyam. It is not void. It is not non-existent. It is a very positive entity. And therefore, to allay any kind of doubts that may arise in us, that maybe Lord Krishna is talking about Brahman which is non-existent. Lord Krishna says, no, it is very much existent. And so existence of Brahman, or existence of God, even though God cannot be described as certain such, because they say God defined is God defied, in the sense that every description only would be limited. And still it is not that it is not there, it is very much there. And in the next verse now, Lord Krishna shows the evidence of how Brahman is. <coughs> So verse 13 says here, Sarvatav Pani Padantata Sarvatokshishiro Mukham Sarvatashruti Maloke so, what is now being said? Sarvata Pāṇipādam Tata That means that, that name, that Brahman of God. So, Ishāya Simudam Saram Yat Kinti Jagatyam Jagat When we are told that, whatever there is in this universe, all of that must be pervaded by God. So this verse says, what is God, what is Brahman? Sarvatav Pāṇipādantata That is that which has hands and legs everywhere. The one who has hands and legs everywhere. Sarvataha Akshishiramukham The one who has eyes and heads and mouths. Akshi Shiraha Mukham. Akshi means eyes, Shira the head, Mukham means mouth. One with eyes and heads and mouths everywhere. Sarvata Shvitamat Loke And one who has all the ears. <coughs> but so, one who has ears on all the sides. Saram Avrutta And one that remains pervading everything. So on one hand, it is not anything in particular. On the other hand, it is everything also. On one hand, it is not anything in particular, meaning that it can't be described as such and such. At the same time, it is everything. So both are there. It is what we call immanent as well as transcendent. Immanent meaning all-pervading. Transcendent meaning that that which is above everything, beyond everything, beyond every limitation. See the example that we normally give to explain immanence as well as transcendence is that of an actor. An actor assuming different roles like a beggar, like a king, like a minister, like so forth and so on. So an actor who assumes all these roles. So how do you describe the actor? He says he's a beggar also, a minister also, a king also, he's all of this. At the same time, he is none of them. So while he is all of these, at the same time, he is none of them. Meaning that this beggar and the king and the minister could not be without the actor, but the actor is very much without them, you see. So all this, the creation could not be without Ishwara, but Ishwara is there very much without the creation. That beggar, the minister, the king, all of these could not be without the actor. Actor pervades in all of them. He is in all of them. 
So the scribe writer, one may say that hey, he is begging also, he is ruling also, he is doing, you know, he is ministering also, all this is doing. At the same time, he transcends them all. Because that alone can pervade everything, that transcends everything. Because for it to be everywhere, it must necessarily be ever everywhere. See, for the gold to be in all the ornaments, gold must necessarily be free. For the gold to be in all the forms and shapes, it must be itself without any form and shape. For the light to illumine all the colors, the light itself should be without the colors. So light pervades all the colors because itself is devoid of all the colors or transcends all the colors. So that which is without any attributes alone can appear in all the attributes. So what can we say? The actor on one hand is pervading all these roles at the same time he transcends roles. But Swami, how can you say that he is beggar also, he is not beggar also? When we say the beggar also is him, the minister also is him, the king also is him. And right away you say that he is not the beggar, he is not the minister, he is not the king. Are you not contradicting yourself? Is it possible that one thing can be both simultaneously? He is simultaneously beggar and minister and king. And at the same time, he is not the beggar, not minister, not king. Is it true? He is begging, but not begging. He is ruling, but not ruling. This fellow is begging. Is he not begging? He is begging and still not begging. Is he really begging? From the standpoint of the onlooker, he is begging. From his own standpoint, he knows I am not a beggar, that this is just what? An acting. So he is a beggar, at the same time he is not the beggar. He is a king at the same time, he is not the king. What does it mean? It means that the idea of a beggar is superimposed upon the actor. The idea of king is superimposed upon the actor. And therefore, the superimposition does not in any way affect the substratum upon which the superimposition takes place. Meaning that, even the idea of beggar is superimposed upon the actor, that beggarliness does not in any way affect him. Even though he is begging, understand, he has not become the beggar, he appears as a beggar. He has not become the king, but he appears as a king. Meaning that his beggar, the king, the minister, all of these various roles are appearances. Then it is possible that he can be one and appear another one. So while he transcends every role, he appears to be performing all the roles. While in fact not begging, he appears to be begging. And so this is called Dhyaropa and Apavada. This is a method that Vedanta employs to communicate this. How can you say that the truth is one? When I see all this variety and multiplicity everywhere, how can you say truth is one? If truth is one, then how do you explain all this manyness? We say that the truth is one, at the same time many also, meaning that the many are not apart from one. If many is different from one, then there is a duality, in that case the truth is different, as Swami says, God is one of the things, you know. That my uncle is in Texas, and my sister is, uh, what is my nephew, my brother is in California, my sister is in Calcutta, and God is in heavens. Then God becomes one of the things. So understand, to explain the many, when the truth is non-dual, one without a second, we have to understand the nature of many also. You can't say, no, no, world is not there. Swami is saying world is Mithya. Mithya doesn't mean it is not that. We have to understand this. So Vedanta explains the many ways while revealing the oneness. What's the relationship between one and many? The one appearing as many. Like one, as we said the other day, imagine this hall in which there are number of mirrors, you know, are, 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 you know, number of mirrors are there and if I stand in the middle of the hall, how many Swamis will appear? And each one can be different from the other one. Each mirror can be its own, something can be convex, some can be concave, or any mirror can be different. 
Even here you may show a reflection that is different from other reflections. And thus, each one is different. There are many, and there is a variety, and still there is one. What is one is what we call Satyam, the truth. The many is called Mithya, the superimposition or unreal. Understand what is Satyam and Mithya. Brahma Satyam, Jagan Mithya. Brahma is Satyam, Jagat, the creation is Mithya, is meaning appearance, one appearing as many. That's why the example of dream was given. How in the dream, the only entity is myself. Because before the dream, I alone was. After the dream, when I wake up, I alone am. In between the dream, there are so many entities. And therefore, the real entity is I alone, one, appearing as many. So dream is an example of how one appears as many. That means that many does not in any way deny the oneness. Many does not create a duality. As again the example was given that from one ton of gold you make a million ornaments. And you count the one as gold, all the millions also get counted. Meaning the one gold appearing as million ornaments. So something is truth and something is appearance. The actor is the truth. The beggar and the king and minister, all of these are what we call the appearances. The appearance in does not in any way affect the truth. The mithya in no way affects the satyam. The dharuba superimposition does not in any way affect the dhisthanam, the substratum. So this is a method that Lord Krishna, that Upanishads employ, and Lord Krishna here employ the same method of for communication is called Adhyaropa Apavada. Adhyaropa superimpose Apavada negation. <coughs> so 13th verse it is superimposed. Sarvatapana Pani Padam Tadnayam Brahma that Brahma is Sarvatapani Padam when he having his hands and feet everywhere. Sarvatapishare Mukham he has his head and mouth and faces everywhere. Sarvata Shudamat, having ears in all directions. Swami used head, hands and feet on all the sides. He talked about the heads and mouths and eyes and ears. But how about nose? How about the tongue? How about the stomach? How about other things? So, you know, this says that God is having his hands and feet everywhere. But how are other limbs? He has eyes everywhere, ears everywhere. How are the organs of perception? They also be included. The idea is that a few are mentioned here, but what it means is that, as, as Purusha Ruptam says, Sahasra Shirasa Purusha Sahasra Akshas Sahasra Pad. Same is Sabhumim Vishwata Vrutva Atyatishtad Dasangulam. That is stated there. He is the one having countless heads and countless eyes and countless heads and hands and countless feet. That means that he is one, the one thinking through all the heads, seeing through all the eyes, hearing through all the ears, working, acting through all the hands, moving through all the legs, that one alone is that. So that is singular. Sarvatav Panipadam Tat. All of this is in singular, 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 meaning that one alone appearing through all the hands and the feet and the legs, organs of perception, organs of action, including the mind and intellect. So, he is the one possessed of all of them. He is the one possessed of all of this, meaning that God has all the eyes, God has all the ears, he has all the hands and legs, that's what one may conclude. So in the next verse, in the 14th verse, Lord Krishna does what we call the Apavada. Sarvendriyagunabhasam Sarvendriyavivarjitam Asaktam Sarva Bhruchaiva 
निर्गुणम गुण भोक्तृच सर्वेन्द्रिय गुणाभासम appearing as attributes of all the organs or actions appearing as performing functions of all the organs meaning appear to be seeing appear to be hearing appear to be talking appear to be thinking appear to be feeling appear to be walking appear to be doing all this sarvendriya vivarjitam at the same time devoid of all the organs sarvendriya guna avasam guna means functions so appearing as performing functions of all the sense organs at the same time sarvendriya vivarjitam devoid of all the organs what this means is that appearing as seeing through all the eyes without having the eyes so seeing through all the eyes without the eyes hearing through all the ears but devoid of the ears acting through all the hands but devoid of hands moving through all the legs but devoid of legs so see the first verse told us that he is the one who does everything he is the one who walks through all the legs he is the one who acts through all the hands he is the one who sees through all the eyes what is meant by that as we say in the kanopanishad shrutrasya shrutram manasah manah He is the ear of the ear, the mind of the mind, the eyes of the eyes. So this is not to be taken literally. When we say that this fellow is begging and this fellow is ruling as a king and this fellow is administering as a minister, he is not to be taken in primary sense. He is as though begging, he is as though ruling, he is as though administering. And similarly also oneself, as though seeing through all the eyes, as though hearing through all the ears. as though acting through all the hands as though walking through all the legs as though performing all the various functions through all the various organs of perception and action in the mind himself devoid of any organs of action perception or the mind sarvendriya vivarjitam what it means is that it is that in his presence that all these functions take place it is not that he sees but the seeing takes place in his presence it is not that he hears the hearing takes place in his presence it is not that he talks the talking takes place in his presence in whose presence in his presence who is he that's i meaning that is a description of you and i as a matter of fact what it means that i think that i am a hearer so when you are listening to these words what do you think you are you are the hearers listeners of these words when i am talking what is my notion of myself i am the speaker so i am the speaker and you are the listeners but this is that speaking without the organ of speech and hearing without the organ of hearing seeing without the organ of sight which means that in the presence of the self that all the functions take place the all the functions of organs of perception in organs of action and the mind all of this take place in the presence of the self it is only a false notion on my part that because of identifying the functions i look upon myself as a speaker so swami what are you doing right now oh, i am giving a speech who are you i am a speaker but that is only a notion on my part in fact what is the reality the reality is that the speak a function of speaking takes place in my presence what are you doing swami we are all listening to you there is also a notion that and i reveal the truth is that the hearing or the listening takes place in the presence of you so upanishad says prananyava pranam pranabhoti varanvat so this self identifying with the organ of speech becomes the speaker identifying the organ of your eyes becomes the seer identifying the organ of hearing becomes hearer identifying the mind becomes thinker identifying the intellect becomes knower and so all these various notions are entertained that i am a thinker i am a knower i am a seer i am a hearer i am a doer i am an enjoyer all of these are the notions that arise on account of 
identifying myself with these various organs. Like a crystal, which seems to assume different colors. Crystal itself, without the colors, but it seems to have different colors. And so it may look orange, or it may look pink, or it may look black, and all these various, the crystal appears to have all these different colors without having colors at all. So what is happening? The colors are superimposed upon the crystal. The crystal, even though appears to be orange, is not really orange. The crystal, even though appears to be brown, is not really brown. Similarly also, I appear to be a speaker, but I am not a speaker. I appear to be a hearer, but I am not a hearer. I appear to be a thinker, but I am not a thinker. This is what Lord Krishna is saying that the self or the Brahman, Brahman or the self is on one hand you can say doing everything because nothing can happen without him. On one hand you can say that he does everything without doing anything. Without his presence nothing can happen. The rule is that the, all the inner things an inner thing can only perform the function in the, in the presence of the, the conscious one. And so, in presence of Chaitanam, the Jadam can work. So, example is given like a chariot. A chariot itself, when you find a chariot running, then you know that some conscious being must be there to make the chariot run. When you see a bus moving on the road, you know that the driver must be there, even if you don't see him. Sometimes it happens, you know, that the drivers are so short in a car or, or a you know, so you don't see anybody. Hey, this car is running without anybody in there. But certainly I know that when the car runs, somebody must be there. Because without a chetana, without a conscious being, the car which is inert cannot be moving, cannot be performing a function. And similarly also, our eyes, ears, hands, legs, all the limbs are jada, they are all material, they are all products of matter, therefore they are all jada or inert. But we find the hands also doing things, legs, eyes, ears, all these upadhi, all the limbs are doing things. All of them are manifesting as though they are sentient beings, conscious beings, and so there must be something that imparts sentiency to them, there must be something that imparts consciousness to them. So this is how First Adhyarova, that he is, he is seeing through all the eyes, he is hearing through all the ears, he is acting through all the hands, he is moving through all the legs. Oh, then he has all the eyes and ears and legs, then he must be big samsari. If he, you see, by having just one eye, pair of eyes and ears, etc., you have so many problems. So understand that moment I have a certain notion about myself, that is a problem. Even when I say that I am a speaker, the speaker has a problem. I may wind up speaking something that is not proper, then I may have a problem. I may not be able to find the words to speak I want to convey, and again I may have a problem. And the hearer also can have a problem, because he may hear something that he doesn't want to hear. He may hear something that he doesn't understand, and so forth. And then everything can create stress. So moment there is any kind of an identification, that is called then, there is samsara. So I am a samsara because I am a speaker, hearer, thinker, doer, enjoyer, father, son, everybody is a problem. As Swami would say that, there is no role that is without the problem. This person is meant to perform different roles. There is a reference to my son, I am the father. With reference to my father, I am the son and so forth and so on. And thus, there are always roles, and every role has a problem. He says the father has a problem, because he thought, this father thinks of his son. And who is the son? The son is now twenty. He's dropped out from the high school. But, he has managed to get a motorbike, from which he has removed the silencer, so that his presence can be known everywhere. He, he puts on a share, I mean shirt, but he does not button his shirt so that his chest can be seen. <laughs> and on that he is having a, 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 a chain which is given by his mother, you know, <laughs> typical description. And so he goes about and father thinks of his son and his blood pressure. So father means blood pressure. 
and son also means blood pressure. Son thinks of his father who says, what are your grades? What are you going to do? Which college? And so forth, you know. And the son feels that there are demands upon him. Father feels there are demands upon him. Everybody feels demands. Even when you are students, there are demands upon you also. That you were sitting there and sit there quietly and then you listen and listen attentively, come in time, whatever it is, stand up when Swamiji comes, don't stand up until Swamiji stands up and so forth, whatever. There are demands. Here also there are demands, speaker also there are demands, wife also there are demands, husband also there are demands, mother also there are demands, and so forth and so on. This moment there is an identification, moment there is a notion that I am so and so, that are demands. That is samsara, that is the origin of all the suffering, meaning that is the source of all the samsara. If samsara means suffering, or samsara means becoming, or what we say? The origin source is where? In any kind of a notion that I have about myself, which is what we call the complex. So that I am a hearer is a complex. I am a seer is a complex. I am a thinker is a complex. I am a knower is a complex. And further complex I am a father and son, which are all extensions of these complexes. Each one of these represents a samsara, samsara source of samsara. Thus having one this upadhi, I am a samsari. If God is seeing through all the eyes and thinking through all the minds, and that is why these questions arise. Swami, you are saying that God is everywhere? Yes. He is everyone? Yes. Does it mean that he is a thief also? I have to say yes because earlier I said he is everywhere. So next question, how about this criminal? Is God is there in criminal also? I will have to say yes. In the thief also? Yes. What kind of God is this? How come he doesn't stop the criminal from doing what he is doing? How come he doesn't stop the thief from what he is doing? Are you trying to tell us Swami that all these people who are uh, inflicting so much of injury on others and so much showing so cruelty, everywhere God is? Yes. Again then we are in the position of defending God, you know. Once you define God and then you defend God. So what will you say? Then God is the greatest samsari. Much more than, each one is a samsari. Multiply that by countless number and God becomes, you know, universal, biggest samsari. Then there is moksha. If God is a samsari, then what am I going to become? If I have to become God in my life, I become biggest samsari only. Where is moksha? So God appearing as samsari, but not a samsari. He is as though killing. He is as though doing things. Nayam hante, nahanyate. This one does not kill, nor is it being killed. There is no karpatva, no bhokratva, no doership, no enjoyership. What, what does it mean? That means that all this is just drama. That's why it's called mithya. That means that we talked about an actor who takes half a dozen different roles and so he is a beggar also. But Swami, I thought he is a billionaire. Why is he begging here? If you know the person, you know that he is a billionaire. And what do you find him doing? Begging. How can a billionaire beg? He cannot. But he begs and still does not beg. Meaning what? Begging is mithya. The same fellow can also come as a villain. He can come in a movie as, an, as a hero. In some other movie he can come as a villain. In third movie he can come as something else. He's all of this and at the same time he is none of this. Understand this. That is how the concept of God is to be understood very properly. If he had become the beggar, if he had become the killer, if he was really a murderer, of course, then that God would be a, a different matter. All of this is what we call rose. All of this is mithya not in reality. Brahma Satyam, Jagan Mithya, Jagat is an appearance. In truth, what we call even, even a murderer or a criminal also, if you look at the core, he will only turn out to be Brahman. And that criminality is there in Prakriti or the personality which does not in any way affect the person. We'll talk about that. That also will come later on. But the idea is that Adhyaropa Apavada.
the 12th verse 13th verse told us he is doing everything the 14th verse tells us that sarvendriya gunavasam sarvendriya vibhajitam appearing to perform the functions of all the sense organs but devoid of sense organs meaning that he does not really perform any functions so first adhyaroga explaining that oh everything is god and apvada that all this is appearance and is reality in spite of appearing to do everything he does not do <coughs> asaktam sarvabhutcha nirguram gunabhutcha so asaktam asaktam means what unattached or unconnected asaktam unattached sarvabhutcha and still sustaining everything another thing you know god sustains everything he is a sustainer so we generally have a picture of hercules or some you know with the whole the globe on his you know on his hand or on his back or the sheshanaga sustaining the whole universe on his head no sheshanaga the thousand hooded uh, cobra you know the whole universe is is is, is supported on his hood that's the reason why when he just changes his head on some side there is earthquake that's how we explain earthquake that's what i know so when you change it so that's all. anyway so when we hear that god sustains everything what an amount of burden he must have on his back isn't it can you imagine god supporting the whole universe consisting of all these galaxies billions of galaxies what an amount of weight he must be carrying on his head so asaktam unconnected and sustaining everything see to understand this we must go to our basic vedanta of what rope and snake there is this rope what does someone say this is a snake someone say no no it's a garland somebody says, no 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 i see a stick there somebody says, no no i think there is only a streak of water there Somebody says, no, no, you don't see properly. There's a crack in the earth. All these things are there. These are all sustained. These are all creation. Vedanta says that all things are created. There is a snake and a garland and a stick and a stream of water or a crack in the earth. All these are creation. And these are all creation. Sustained by what? Sustained by one rope. So rope sustains the snake, rope sustains the garland, rope sustains all of these. What burden is there? There is no burden because all of these are what? Just superimposition. In fact, the rope and snake is no connection at all. So, asaktam sarabhutcheva, even though the rope is in no way connected to the snake, and still it sustains the snake. Is it not so? The rope not connected to the garland, nevertheless sustains the garland. The gold, let us come to a simpler example. The gold, unconnected to every ornament, sustains all the ornaments. So what an amount of burden is there on the gold to sustain the ornament? Or the water is in fact sustaining all the waves, thousands of waves. What weight is there on the water to sustain the waves? No weight at all because the wave is nothing but the water. Swasaktam sarabhrutcheva even though unconnected. Understand this is the description of you and I. Although it is Brahman, but then unconnected. I am sustaining everything. Sustaining what? Sustaining Zupani. Sustaining the ideas of hearer, thinker, seer, knower, doer, enjoyer. All these are sustained by me without being connected by them. I am saying, without saying, the idea is asaktam sarabhutcheva being unconnected to he sustains everything in short the rope has to make no attempt to support the snake rope unconnected to the snake nevertheless sustains the snake nirgunam gunabhokrita devoid of all the gunas what are these gunas? sattva, rajas, tamas these are called gunas nistraigunyo bhavarjana What's the nature of Brahman? Nistray Gunya. That is beyond all the gunas. So one that is devoid of all the qualities. Nevertheless, 
Gunabhokrita, that enjoys all the qualities, pursues all the qualities. There is a description of me. So, Gunabhokrita, what's the nature of self? Devoid of Sattva, Rajas, Tamas. Understand that Sattva, Rajas, Tamas, all the Gunas are in my personality. This body is made up of Tama Guna. All my organs of action are made of Rajaguna. My organs of perception and mind are made of Sattva Guna. So Sattva, Rajas, Tamas, all the Gunas are there in the name and form, in the Upadi. But the self that sustains the Upadi, devoid of all the Gunas, is without Sattva, Rajas, or Tamas. So one that is devoid of all the Gunas, nevertheless, sustains them all, at the same time, perceives them all. Gunabhavakrita is a perceiver of all the gunas, meaning illuminator of all the gunas, illuminator of all the modifications. So, he's supporter of everything, he's illuminator of everything, he's a witness of everything, unconnected with everything. <coughs> all of these verses can be verses for contemplation upon one's own self. Who am I? Asaktam, Sarabhutseva, unconnected and still sustaining everything. One who is ever pure and devoid of the gunas and still illumining all the gunas. <coughs> Next verse is continuing. Bahirantascha Bhuta. Charam charameva charam charameva char Where is it located? Bahihi antascha. It is outside as well as inside. It's outside as well as inside. So Bhakya Bhantaraha is simultaneously outside and inside. He is outside and inside. What is in the middle? See, outside is an idea with reference to this body. What do we call outside? So body becomes a very boundary and anything that is outside the boundary is called outside. What is inside? That is within the body is called inside. So what is outside? Brahman is outside. What is inside? Brahman is inside. Bahihi antascha bhutana is outside as well inside of the beings. So what is the middle? Acharam charamevacha. In the middle, the body, which is acharam and charam, moving and non-moving, that also he is. He is outside, he is inside, he is in the middle, he is moving, he is non-moving, he is everything. <coughs> If he is everything, then how come then we should know him as, this knowledge should be very simple. So, no, sukshmatvat tadavignayam. Because it is extremely subtle and therefore it is very difficult to comprehend. Durasthamcha antikechata. When the ignorance is there, it is farther than the farthest. When knowledge is there, it is closer than the closest. Like the tenth man, when he does not know, the tenth man is farther than the farthest. And when he knows, it is closer than the close. Is not so? The tenth man is searching. For whom? For the tenth man. Where is he? Oh, I thought I saw him there. Swamiji, I thought I saw him above the hill. That's where I'm going. And then he sees him some under a tree and just keeps on going farther and farther. The tenth man is farther than the farthest. When? He's not known. And when the truth is revealed that you are the tenth man, he is the closer than the closest. Durasthamcha, Antikecha, that it is far away, at the same time it is nearer, farther than the farthest, nearer than the nearest, outside. In all of this is stated in Ishavasya Upanishad. Tadayati, Tannayati, Taddure, Taduanteke, Tadantrasya Sarvasya, Tadu Sarvasya Sibhahyata. Tadayati, it moves. Tannayati, it does not move. Then, it is far. It is close also, proximate. 
तदंतरस्य सर्वस्य इन इज विद इन ऑल ऑफ दिस तदु सर्वस्य बाकी इट इज विदाउट ऑल ऑफ दिस आल्सो व्हाट इट मींस है द आइडियाज ऑफ विद इन एंड विदाउट दे आर ओनली इन द स्पेस द आइडियाज ऑफ फार एंड नियर अगेन आइडियाज विद इन द स्पेस मूविंग नॉन मूविंग आइडियाज रेफरेंस टू टाइम सो व्हाट द उपनिषद मींस इज दैट ऑल दैट वी सी हियर in this in the realm of space space and time is nothing but the appearance of the one who is free from the ideas of space and time and so far the farther is also an idea the near also is an idea outside also an idea inside also an idea so that which sustains all these ideas at the same time that is not bound by or not circumscribed by or not limited by any one of these ideas sukshmatvat tad vigneyam it is very difficult to comprehend because what is required is the mind to become free from these ideas of outside inside the far near when the mind drops all of this then it knows until then avigneyam it is extremely difficult to comprehend durastham ंगेजिकलोट it is devoid of all the ideas of outside inside space time the space and times are all projection in which all the ideas obtain and that's the one that transcends his ideas it pervades in all of this meaning that nothing is apart from that at the same time it is independent of this it is immanent at the same time it is transcendent <coughs> okay i will continue in the next class पूर्णमद पूर्णमद पूर्णात्ण्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादा पूर्णमेवशिष्यते ओ शाते शाते शाति शंकर शंकराचार्य केशव बालनायण सूत्रभाष्यत वंदे भगवतनःश्वरो गुरुराज्ञे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमेहाय दक्षिणाूर्त नम ओ शाशाशाति हरि ओ श्रीगुरभ्यो नम हरि ओ